Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, May 4th reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Ponderosa Country Store Reopens with a Twist, written by Marianne Magen. Assessor Gives Property Owners Heads Up on Escalating Values, written by Pat Hill. More closures upcoming at Cherished Reservoirs in Pikes Peak, written by Seth Boster. Polis signs four gun control bills. Governor Jared Polis on Friday signed off on four gun bills, which the Democratic majorities controlling Colorado's General Assembly believe will help rein in the state's gun violence problem, and following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Ponderosa Country Store Reopens with a Twist, written by Marianne Magen. To the delight of locals, the Ponderosa Country Store in Lake George has reopened for business. Owners are still working to try and return to status of gas, but for now, the focus is on ice cream, pizza, and art, according to Teresa Schmidt, who, along with her husband, Jeff Melantine, own the business. The excitement of the reopening has been evident by the many locals who stopped by to welcome them and check out the changes made to the store. Schmidt explained the inventory was a bit smaller than before, but they still have grocery items, camping and hiking supplies, limited ATV supplies, as well as t-shirts and Colorado souvenirs. She was particularly excited about her art gallery, which not only features her artwork, but that of her 13-year-old son, Cody, and from Denise Kelly, Mark Baharas, and Carolyn Pyle. Melantine also built a studio that will allow Charissa to run her wood repair business and work on her art. I'm so lucky that Jeff is supportive in this endeavor. It's like a dream come true having my very own studio and gallery, she said. We still want to cater to our customers, who seem to be really happy that we are serving up Hunt's Pizza again. The gas station portion of the business has been brought up several times, and they, regrettably, are unable to reinstate it at this time. She says she is just happy to be able to open the business along with the art gallery. She feels the reception has been great and is happy to be one happy to be of some benefit to the community as well as the many travelers along Highway 24. The next article is entitled Assessor Gives Property Owners Heads Up 
on Escalating Values, written by Pat Hill. Teller County property owners can expect an increase in valuations anywhere from 30 to 100 percent, depending on the area and type of property. In a presentation last month to business leaders and real estate agents, Carol Kittleson and Mike Akana, county assessor and deputy, respectively, offered a heads-up before notices of valuation hit mailboxes this week. The increase is due to the escalation of real estate values in parts of Colorado based on the market that existed on June 30, 2022, Kittleson said. Yet, in some in the audience balked at the increase which could possibly result in higher taxes. With a profusion of second homes throughout the county, Lee Taylor questioned why full-time residents who shop locally and contribute to the sales tax base can't get a break on their taxes. Why not offer permanent residents a homestead exemption, said Taylor, financial advisor with Edward Jones and a divide resident. Taylor was referring to the exemption offered to Colorado senior citizens who have lived in homes at least 10 years. We are crucifying everybody who lives here full time, he added. How did we get here? Akana said. When voters approved Amendment B last year by 58% to 42%, the measure reduced assessment rates on properties while providing value exemptions, but only for one year, 2023. For Colorado commercial properties, the assessment rate drops from 29 to 27.9% with the first 30,000 of actual value exempt. For residential properties, the assessment rate drops from 6.95% to 6.765%, with the first 15,000 of actual value exempt. However, the good news, bad news part for Teller County taxpayers is that the reductions slam up against escalating real estate values. Blame the pandemic that began in March 2020. COVID-19 created the hottest real estate market along the front range of Colorado, Akana said. And Teller County rode the coattails as people began working remotely, many choosing to live in the mountains. In Woodland Park, a home on Red Mountain, west of downtown, sold for $352,000, and three years later, a buyer paid $538,000, an increase of 52.84%. In rural Indian Creek subdivision, the sale of 3.75 acres of vacant land sold for $18,000 in October 2020. Thirteen months later, the same acreage sold for $60,000 for a 233.33% increase over 19 months. In Woodland Park, in the Tamarack subdivision, 
the sale price of 0.76 of an acre lot increased 29.9% in 14 months from March 15, 2021 to May 11, 2022. Sale prices for commercial properties as well are increasing, although there are fewer sales, Kittleson said. For many in the audience, the increases hit more than their own pocketbooks. For landlords T. Lee Taylor and John Gamelk, the increase in their taxes may have to trickle down to people who lease their buildings, small business owners. How do I justify an increase in rents, Taylor said. To any questions about changing tax formulas, Akana advised residents to talk to the Colorado legislature. These values are horrifying to me, Kittleson said, but if we are not doing our job correctly, the state gets to step in. We try to ensure that everything we do is according to the letter of the law. A few days after the presentation, Teller County Commissioner Dan Williams, anticipating protest, issued a plea during the commissioner's meeting. Please, please have some grace for the assessor, he said. The next article is entitled, More Closures Upcoming at Cherished Reservoirs on Pikes Peak, written by Seth Boster. While one cherished reservoir reopens on Pikes Peak, others are due for closures in the coming years for another dam repair that could coincide with water and recreation managers contemplating the future of access. Commercial outfitters have been at the center of recent talks regarding that access. They'll be permitted to guide fishing and, and paddleboarding customers up to North and South Catamount Reservoirs this season as the North Slope Recreation Area's Third Lake, Crystal Creek, refills after a four-year closure for dam construction. The reservoirs are set to open for the season May 1, but starting in 2024, the expectation is for those guides and guests and all other drivers along the Pikes Peak Highway to be barred from north, sorry, both north and south Catamount Reservoirs. That's for what Colorado Springs Utilities calls a major rehabilitation project needed for 77-year-old infrastructure at South Catamount Reservoir. Utilities has quietly announced vehicular access at the reservoirs will be closed for two years beginning next summer. That, according to a company webpage, provides generous time to craft a comprehensive recreation plan that includes watershed protection, security concerns, and public access. Protecting the water supply considered critical is the priority of Colorado Springs utilities. Meanwhile, City Enterprise Pikes Peak America's Mountain manages recreation around the scenic lakes popular for fishing, kayaking, picnicking, and picture-taking for drivers stopping along the highway. Pikes Peak America's mountain manager, Skyler 
Rurabal, said he was excited about crafting a plan alongside utilities. Our region has grown so much that there's been new pressures in North Slope Recreation Area, he said. One of the keys to success of a recreation area is you have to have a plan and you have to prepare for those pressures that you're going to receive. Colorado Springs Utilities has made it clear that it specifically wants to review policies and procedures related to commercial permits for are currently issued, Rohrbaugh said, while more are on hold for names on a waiting list. Meetings and surveys last year resulted in key findings recently listed on a utilities webpage describing public opinions as split on sharing space with businesses and calling for the process to be managed fairly and for outfitters to help with staffing costs, litter cleanup, stewardship education, and other amenities. Support and stewardship have always been goals of Angler's Covey, said the fly shop's director of services, John Eadson. He said he and other outfitters were happy to pay a new administrative fee charged by Pikes Peak America's Mountain. Utilities is not in the recreation business. We get that, Eadson said. But in my experience, working with the Forest Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife and all these other entities for a lot of years, it's like we're desperately waving our arms to say, we're partners in this. We have solutions to your problem. The North and South Catamount closures will pose a big problem to businesses he said. It's not huge overall economic damage, but for the four companies that have those permits, it's a huge issue, said El Paso County Commissioner Stan Vanderwerf, who stood up for them in a recent meeting that saw utilities break the closure news to outfitters. Eadson said he and others left shell-shocked. It's obviously concerning from a business standpoint, he said, but I think the big thing is no one is going to be able to access it. No one. No drivers, at least. Longer hiking paths to North Catamount, Catamount Reservoir may be available, but will be subject to construction project planning, according to utilities. Rurabal said about 20,000 people every year buy tickets at the Pikes Peak Highway toll gate to visit North Slope Recreation Area, while close to 300 other anglers and regulars buy season passes. That represents no small gain for Pikes Peak America's Mountain, which depends on such money to operate. Ball said he anticipated pains over the next two years of anticipated closures, or however long the North and South Catamount closures might last. We're definitely keeping our fingers crossed that it's not going to be four years, he said, referring to the timeline of the Crystal Creek Reservoir project that was interrupted by pandemic-related supply issues. Rurabal added, 
we're definitely going to have a higher concentration of interest at Crystal Creek. We're trying to wrap our heads around what that may look like. While crediting utilities for the job, I appreciate their continued efforts to ensure we have a good, healthy watershed, he said. Vanderwerf wondered if there was a way to maintain access or reach some kind of compromise. Compromise can be difficult on a mountain with so many interests, Vanderwerf recognized. I think this is illustrative of that problem, he said. The next article is entitled, Polis Signs Four Gun Control Bills. Polis said the four bills are a significant investment in making Colorado safer. Written by Marianne Goodland. Governor Jared Polis signed off on four gun bills, which the Democratic majorities controlling Colorado's General Assembly believe will help rein in the state's gun violence problem. At a ceremony at the state capitol, Polis said the bills are a significant investment in making Colorado safer. He said Coloradans deserve to be safe in their communities, schools, grocery stores, nightclubs, and everywhere in between, adding they shouldn't have to fear the threat of gun violence. Second Amendment advocates who earlier threatened a lawsuit against the measures said they have challenged two of the four measures, arguing the new laws infringe on their right to keep and bear arms. They said they are considering suing over the other two bills. Republicans in both chambers, significantly outnumbered by their Democratic colleagues, won concessions on several bills. In the House, Republicans launched several filibusters to delay their passage. In a statement Friday, House Majority Leader Mike Lynch, Republican Wellington, described the bill signings as a historically dark day. Today, Colorado is less free and our citizens less safe and able to protect themselves. For law-abiding Coloradans, it's a historically dark day, a day that many of our citizens, no matter their political party, thought impossible in their state, Lynch said. Lynch said most Colorado gun owners follow the law, but that Democrats want to punish them for the criminal or tragic actions of a few. Democrats believe that their strong midterm election gave them a mandate to infringe on Coloradans' inalienable right to live their lives without needless government intrusion, he said. But Americans have always rejected this broad attack for our freedoms, even in the name of good intentions. Senate Bill 168, the first bill from the package, repeals previous state law that barred gun violence victims from suing firearms manufacturers and dealers. The measure was driven in part by the experience of Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, who sued a Texas gun dealer in Colorado court because he sold ammunition without a background check to the man who murdered 12 people at the Aurora Theater shooting in 2012. 70 were injured in this shooting, including nearly 60 from gunfire. The name of their daughter, Jessica Gowie, 
who was one of the victims, was added to the title of the bill. Senator Tom Sullivan's son, Alex, was among the victims. The Phillips, who held each other during the ceremony, stood by Polis's side as he signed the measure. Enough is enough, said Senator Sonia Jacquez Lewis, Democratic Longmont, one of the bill sponsors. She said it was a day to be hopeful, one in which Coloradans can hold the gun industry to the same rules as any other business. Today is about action, not words, added a co-sponsor, Senator Chris Colker, Democratic from Littleton. Representative Javier Mabry, Democratic Denver, added that it was powerful to work on the bill, while high school students demanded action from the General Assembly. The students have been protesting at the state capitol, particularly after the shooting of the two school administrators at East High School in March. Police said a student under a pat-down regime shot the staffers who survived. The student was later found dead. Authorities believe he killed himself. Senate Bill 169 increases the minimum age for purchasing a firearm from 18 to 21 with limited exceptions. Lawmakers saluted the many advocates for the bills, Giffords, Every Town for Gun Sense, the Brady Center, Moms Demand Action, and the students from Colorado high schools, most notably East High, where the March shootings took place. They also praised Sullivan, who has been the driving voice behind measures that proponents say address gun violence. Sullivan was not able to attend the signing ceremonies Friday. Senator Rhonda Fields, Democrat Aurora, and her daughter, Masia, also won praise for being long-term advocates against gun violence. Fields' son and his fiancée were murdered in 2005. Representative Eliza Hamrick, Democratic Centennial, a former teacher at Overland High School, spoke about the trauma teachers, students, and parents have experienced for the past 20 years from lockdown and active shooter drills. Some students have been experiencing those drills since preschool, she said. Although the alleged shooter had a set of firearms removed under a restraining order a year before the shooting. Attorney General Phil Weiser noted the room full of people who have experienced gun violence. There's so much trauma in this room, Weiser said. We are living in a time where the Second Amendment has been taken to a place that makes no sense. He pledged that the work to reduce gun violence would continue. State President Steve Fernberg, Democrat Boulder, said these bills will save lives tomorrow. I can't wait to see what we do next year, he added. The final proposal from the package, House Bill 1219, creates a three-day waiting period for delivery of firearm after purchase. The package of legislation builds on previous work to address this public health crisis, said Republican Meg Froelich, Democrat Inglewood, one of the bill sponsors. 
She thanked the survivors who, for too long, have had to lead on this issue. We have to work smart and work fast, added Senator Chris Hansen, Democrat Denver. In a statement, the Rocky Mountain gun owners said it filed two lawsuits against Polis in his official capacity as governor over HB 1219 and SB 169, calling the former unconstitutional and the latter a denial of adults' rights to purchase and possess guns. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.